yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. So we begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Taylor, O'Driscoll, Forgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Sattery, delighted to be joined via Zoom, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are things? Very good, thanks, very good. Uh, Six Nations is back. We have a great guest tonight in uh, Jack McGrath, so, so life is good. Uh, we'll talk to Jack in just a minute, uh, lots of interesting stuff to get to him about. But first, obviously, that win, that Ireland win at the weekend, the first game since uh, the, the one in Twickenham back in March, or late February, rather. Uh, what, what were your thoughts overall? Yeah, look, I think there was obviously a few things that were a little bit messy, but you, that's that's to be expected. Um, I thought there was lots to be very positive about. I thought they were, you know, they, they tried a few more things um, in the tight exchanges, which is something that I've been looking for them to be, you know, a little bit more adventurous. I think next weekend would be the bigger test of that. But, uh, you know, you, you know, I'm not expecting that to be perfect by, by any means either. But um, I, I was encouraged by lots of things that I saw. I thought a few of the personnel changes. I thought Stockdale had a few good moments in there. Uh, bar the chips, he's doing all those chips at the moment. But geez, I thought he was really good in lots of other uh, areas. So I thought that was a real positive for Ireland because I think he has the potential to be an absolute cracking player going forward. Um, I thought Connors was outstanding, made the step up seamlessly. Um, again, bigger test now. If he's involved next week, it'll be hard to drop him, I suppose. So um, really happy to see that. I actually thought Heffernan was very good when he came on. I thought that was very positive. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's been, you know, working hard down in Connacht for a long period of time, and it was good to see him get some reward, and he was very good as well uh, in, in the bits I saw. So, um, yeah, look, I, I, I thought it was very positive, Will. I thought there was yeah. lots to be, like, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Obviously, the, the, the try at the end was very disappointing, but what I really liked was to see them actually going for it. I loved seeing the quick bit of thinking from, from, uh, from Ross Byrne to take the drop goal. Listen, it was very disappointing way. It was kind of a real sour note and a very positive afternoon. But I really liked it. I just thought, yeah, look, this is a team that's up for it. They're trying to win. Um, and I have no problem ever in a team, you know, as long as they're not too rash or whatever, but I have no problem in a team going for it. I'd rather see Ireland go for it than just completely play the percentages all the time. So um, while it was a bit disappointing, uh, loads to be positive about. 
Yeah, I guess I think I'm kind of more holding fire, you know, in terms of the maybe the more open style until we play France because I feel like we've played Italy a couple of times at the Aviva. Hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, we've well, the last couple of games against Italy at the Aviva have been, you know, really high scores for Ireland. Like I just saw World Rugby are doing a try of the decade, and like Jamie Heath just won against Italy is one of the nominees from an Italy game a few years ago where there was like ten offloads in the build-up, but that wasn't. Ne- necessarily instructive to how they were playing generally so I think this weekend will be a much bigger test especially because France looks so good uh, my, my my favourite player Vakatawa is just on absolute fire <laughs> for them at the moment He's quality, isn't he? I think I don't think he'll get as good a run though against uh, like Henshaw and um, and Aki are very well suited to managing him quite well honestly I, I do I really believe that so uh, yeah, he's a handful, but those two guys are very suited to managing him. Both big fellas, both great tacklers. So, um, yeah, look, I hope they do manage him well. <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing I'm interested to see at the weekend is how they approach it in terms of game management. Obviously, the England game will be on first. You're going to have to presume that they'll put up a pretty big score on Italy. So then Ireland will most likely need a four-try win to to like to win the Six Nations, you know, how do they go about that? Will they go for the tries early on? Will they, will they try to be more conservative and, as they say, win the game first? But when you need four tries, you can't really be spurning opportunities early on. I don't think. Yeah, look, I think they'll put up a cricket score in Italy. Uh, anything else would be a serious disappointment from from an English standpoint. Um, yeah, look, I, I think. Yeah, they have the advantage of being able to obviously see the game beforehand, which is nice. And I think that gives them something to aim for. And again, that probably, I would think there's a good chance that that'll dictate how they play the first, uh, you know, first 20, 30 minutes of the game. I think they will need, like, Paris is a really tough place to go. You want to take the sting out of the French guys. Um, Even with no fans. Sorry? Even with no fans. Yeah, I, I do believe that, like, they'll be just going for it. Like, you know, at home, whatever it is about the French playing at home, I don't think there needs to be a big, uh, you know, big lot of supporters there for them to be up for it. Very different proposition away from home. We know that historically speaking. I just know from speaking to guys who played over there, France are they're a different proposition at home. I don't think they need. They, there could be fifty guys there, and there probably will only be fifty guys there, and they'll still be, you know, hitting the heads off the wall in the change room coming out. Like they'll be just gunning for them. So uh, you want to take the sting out of the tail. You want to play smart, uh, but at the same time. You know, time is of time may be of the essence, and that might dictate whether they open up earlier or later. Um, but yeah, look, I, to my mind, I'm I'm less concerned about winning the competition. I'd love to see a good performance, mm. uh, and that's I know you always want to go for the win, um, but that it might be too big an ask. Like to my mind, I think I'd be more. I'm looking for a performance again. I know it sounds like, look, we're in a competition, we want to win it, but I'm still looking for a performance, Will. I really want to see some some green shoots and, and I suppose building on some of the green shoots we saw last week. Um, just, I suppose, to reinforce my view that I think they are going in the right direction, they're trying the right things, you know, because it's hard... You know, I, you I, might, it's hard to know against Italy, isn't it? Well, no, I, I agree completely in terms of the performance uh, aspect of your point because, like, that French team sheet, like, I know Ireland have been, you know, generally a lot better than them over the last couple of years, but the French team now look like they've gotten a lot more organisation and they've Sean Edwards in, and, and the team sheet alone is extremely strong. So a win by a win of any nature at the weekend would be a really good result. We've only won, I think, three times in Paris in the Six Nations era. And that was actually say three times since the, the early seventies as well, because that was the O'Driscoll hat trick was the first one since the seventies. So, like wins in Paris are very difficult as you say to come by. So I think any victory will be good. No, I was just saying I'm more intrigued to see how they approach in terms of going for tr- if they go for tries or or what they go for. But yeah, any win I think would be a, a very good result for Andy Farrell's team. 
Yeah, look, in terms of going for tries, Will, um, you know, th- that actually might suit Ireland's game plan. We spoke about that last week. Um, I think it's a fit team. I think there's lots of good footballers on the team. And I think that, you know, the French League can take a lot out of you. It's a very, you know, hard fixture list. And lots of these Irish guys will have had a good rest. Now, I know they manage the French team a little bit better these days than they, than they did previously. But I still think they have a few big guys in there, a few big lumps that you could, you know, if you can keep the ball and play for long periods of time, you know, Ireland could come on very strong at the end and there might be a few opportunities then. Um, look, I don't think they'll completely fade, but that, that might be the way to go is going for tries. It might actually suit us, uh, you know, versus slowing the game down, you know, going from, you know, line out to scrum to line, you know, so that might be something they say to themselves, you know, what, we're just going to do that anyway. Um, yeah. We think we might be better than them there. Unless it's a really obvious penalty where you have to take the, the shot at goal because it's it's almost you know it's in the nineties percentile wise for for getting it over. So that's um, that'll be interesting to watch, Will. Um, and I did think they look. It looked like they played some very nice rugby at times, and we saw you know the Peter the Peter Mahoney offload was obviously a highlight. That's what I was going to say. Like the offload of the oh, between two tackles out the side door is unbelievable. Listen, it was a lovely, lovely bit of play, but it just shows you that that ability is there. There is guys there that can see, you know, uh, that can see a pass, that can execute on a very difficult level of skill in the pack, and we should be utilising that. That not every team has that, so uh, I'll be interested to see if they ha- if they have the bravery because there's going to be huge pressure with that Sean Edwards style defence coming at Ireland, and they're going to need to be brave. They're going to need to take a few chances, regardless of whether they're playing very conservatively or not. Uh, I, I think they're going to have to do that. So. Uh, that's the big challenge for them. Do they have the, the mental kind of ability to do that, to the, the mental strength uh, to, to really stick to their guns and stick to their strengths and try and impose their game plan upon France? Because that's what it's going to require this weekend, regardless of whether it, you know they just need to win the game or whether they need to get a bonus point. I think they have to play a similar way, Will. Oh, no, it's out to be an absolute cracker, to be fair, as you say. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how, how Ireland do approach it. But for now, we're going to bring in uh, Ulster prop Jack McGrath, who was a light to have on this week. Jack, thanks so much for joining us. How's it going, boys? Yeah, great to have you on. Does it sound strange being introduced as Ulster Prop now at this stage, or have you gotten used to it? No, no. Not with a voice like that. You have a voice for the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Ulster. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound right without a whistle. No, I was going to say, it doesn't sound right to my ears, but um, listen, it's great to see you, and uh, good to see you looking so well. Uh, How's the form? How's, um, How's everything? Have you settled in there at this stage? Yeah, yeah, well settled in. Um, like loving it, absolutely loving it up there. It's, it's brilliant. It's a, it's a nice change. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. It's been great. The lads have been brilliant, and the coaching's excellent. So, yeah, can't say say much better about it. And was it good to have a few of the lads, kind of like your your Geordies and your Mads up there now? Is that going to make it easier to settle in, or did it really matter? You probably would have settled it okay, would you? Um, yeah, no, it, like obviously it's it's nice to have a friendly face when you go up initially. But I, again, I would have known a lot of lads yeah, from yeah. from uh, Irish camp or whatever. But it, like I suppose not making the World Cup squad, we were tra- we were traveling to South Africa um, a week after I came up, so I actually got like two and a half weeks over there with the lads to sort of to bond. So it was a bit of, that was a bit of a crack as well. And how did you find the, the lockdown period generally? Like we got, we hear a lot about the kind of the bubble that the rugby teams are in in order to get things going. Like how have you found, you know, that kind of environment over the last while? Has it been massively different to the kind of environment you would be in anyway, whereas you are kind of day to day in that environment anyway? Um, no, it's, I suppose 
like we're just used to it now it's it's the cliche like it's become part of life um, but like even being back at home for six months was was really nice because it's the most amount of time I got to spend with my missus at any one time and, and we're still together so that's a good test <laughs> I was just going to say <laughs> uh, what was it like were you guys kind of was it all Zoom meetings and different things like that like most other workplaces I think it sounds to me like well we talked to a few of the guys in uh, in Leinster one of the Connacht guys and it seemed like that was what the other place were doing so same for you guys yeah, pretty much, and and we tried to do something like once a week as a squad, um, like a quarantine they named it. So it was like a quiz or or even meet like on Zoom and have a few beers just to sort of stay in touch. Um, which which was a good idea because like the meetings, you can have as many meetings, but it's nice to have something that's not as um sort of serious, I suppose. Yeah, and like were the coaches checking in a lot over the lockdown period, even during the summer, say when it was kind of a bit unclear when rugby might come back. Was there still a lot of kind of team related things, or as you say, was it more on the bonding element, or were they still going tactically into into stuff like that? Yeah, well, because um, they, it was tactical and um, sort of yeah, well, obviously you had to train on your own, but they were trying to they were trying to get stuff from like the World Cup or or games that we played and areas that we could improve on and, and like even down to one of the coaches uh, for conditioning, like he was talking into what you needed to do. So, so it was like get to a breakdown, get up, carry second phase. So you actually had earphones on trying to run, doing this. So it was, <laughs> it, it was actually, I kind of enjoyed that because it was like a, a bit outside the box thinking rather than just running straight lines you know so um some of the stuff they thought of was pretty good but it's like anything training on your own for a long amount of time gets pretty shitty after a while so um it was it said uh, the novelty wore off after a bit but it was it was uh it needed to be done so but to th- to, to answer your question uh, about the the timing of like no one knew when we were coming back so it was like we'd have two weeks of training and then we'd be like, oh, we might be back. And then it just it went on like that. And then it was like, right, everything's cost. So we we trained up until I think it was the end of May and then we had the month off and then and then we kind of um, dripped back in, going back up to Belfast and, and into our kind of small groups. And then it's kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, and our players, was there any a worry at any stage, I guess, that Ruby mightn't get to come back or that it would be delayed even further? Or I suppose there's still a lot of uncertainty around crowds and stuff. Is that something that the players themselves are talking about? Like, are you guys concerned about that? Or is it something that really is a discussion point? Yeah, like, I suppose initially, no, because we didn't know what was going on. But as as the time has kind of passed and and now that we've kind of had that second spike and, and we had a bit of a, a scare ourselves in the squad, like you actually start to see that people are being laid off and, and the financial implications of everything that's going on. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really bad. And you, no one expected to get to this point, but it's, it's yeah, it's not great. But um, hopefully, like, after this sort of level five lockdown, it'll sort of... Come, start to come back again and, and get a bit of finances back into the clubs because mm. it's um, 
it's it's hard it's tough enough playing against in, in an empty stadium as well so it's nice to have a few supporters and and Jackie can I ask you as well so like I mean I, I know from being in the change rooms myself like I mean oftentimes the kind of financial stuff isn't really talked about a huge amount you know but at the moment are guys kind of are they a little bit worried about it? Are they chat? Is there any kind of chatter about Jesus? Like, if they don't get kind of, because obviously I'm sure you guys are reading the papers here and there. Like most businesses, like pretty worried about the, the as you say, the finances in the clubs and that. Are, are guys worried about it? Is it in the back of their minds? Are they discussing it? Or yeah, well, like I suppose for us, it's we have to do what we can do as as a group and as a bubble of players. So we have to stay diligent and stay on top of all that we can do you know you can't control other people outside the club but like we want to be back playing sport and we want to be getting crowds back so by us doing our part little by little hopefully we can get back to actually getting people through the door and 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 helping um in in a small form yeah, mm-hmm. and how big an impact, Jack, has the lack of fans been in terms of just uh, like the preparation or even playing the game? Like, obviously, you guys were in the Pro 14 final against Leinster. Ordinarily, it would have been a packed house, a huge occasion for Ulster. It was their first final in a number of years. I'm sure it felt completely different to the finals you've taken part in before. But, like, how much more difficult was it maybe to get to the pitch of the game, did you find? Or, or how have you found that over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well... Um by now it's we're used to it but it, like that that Connacht um game the first game of the season like it was it was so bizarre but by the time we got to the final we were sort of used to the no crowds and 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 then we um we played Treviso and we actually had 600 people at, at the at the grounds which was which was pretty cool and then we went, went over to Ospreys and there was no one at it and then there was no one at this weekend so that was I think like we're professional enough now to like you could it's just like a training session you know no one's going to be there so we just get on with it and I think what we speak about ourselves and probably every other team is like you have to bring your own energy as a team and and um, that's probably what we learned from those early games whereas I thought maybe that first game against Connacht like they were doing all the talking and they were bringing the energy and and Ultimately, that got them over the line where we were a little bit sluggish and it just zapped our energy if a couple of things went against us and, and they were showing a little bit more energy. So that was like a, that was a bit of a learning curve for us as a squad. Um, so, yeah, it's like it doesn't really bother us to, at all now, but it's, it's just you need to be able to bring your own energy and, and just get on with it, really. Jack, can I ask you, you know, it's funny, isn't it, I think, when you go kind of full circle. So, you know, when you start off playing, I don't know if you felt this as well, but I remember my kind of first game after school, you're kind of, you're not used to having crowds at the games. It takes a while to kind of get used to having them. But isn't it funny, I think, and I always say, I always kind of, I suppose, liken it to maybe those Edinburgh fixtures. You know, you're in like a huge stadium. And I was going to say, like, it actually got really hard playing those fixtures. Like, they were the toughest ones of the year. After a couple of years when you were used to having crowds and playing in front of them, it was quite hard to get then get up for a game without a crowd. And I'm kind of thinking and looking at the games with the empty stadiums, thinking, geez, it's probably very similar to kind of... You'd have to recondition your mind to get used to not playing in front of the crowd. It's almost like going back to the start when you're playing... You know, when you're playing a schoolboy rugby match or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I would never actually thought of it like that. Um, so yes, that's that's a good point. Um, it isn't. Probably, it's a long time ago since <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> or I. Could, 
But it is weird because those Edinburgh games were really hard to get mentally prepared for. I mean, we always used to say at the start of the week, like it was the big thing about that week. It was like, just make sure that, you know, you're up for the game, that you're not, when you hear an echo around or there's no crowd mm-hmm. around that, you know, you're still physically up for it. Like, and you're yeah. kind of saying that from early in the week. Is that kind of the conversations with these games or are you kind of used to it at this stage maybe? I know that's like, that's, they don't even have those conversations anymore. Like it's, it is what it is. And it's going to be that. that old. Fucking hell. What? <laughs> 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 what are you joking? No, so they've kind of stopped. They're, everyone's kind of used to it now. Yeah, no, it's it, like the coach. It's not even mentioned by the coaches anymore. It's, it's just uh, uh, the way it's going to be. And it, it may be like that for six, 12 months. So, um, yeah, it's after the first couple of weeks that it wasn't even spoken about, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. And I was just kind of looking into maybe towards the start of your career, even I think the 10 year anniversary of your Leinster debut, your, your professional rugby debut was during lockdown, I think April 2010 against Glasgow. If my research is correct, uh, might seem a long time ago now. Like, do you remember anything about the start of your career? Um, I do actually remember that game. It was it was uh, it was the proper bomb squad sent over to Fur Hill by by Cheka. End of the season, load of um, load of academy lads, um, and yeah, well, I think I don't remember. Like I remember, I came off the bench. I don't remember how long I got or anything like that. But um, I remember Fur Hill being a bleak enough spot, and anyone who is still playing and remembers it would agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know well, like, I know. <laughs> the dirt trackers are always over there. <laughs> it always seemed to fall at the end of the season when like, there wasn't really much to play for. Nobody really wanted to play the game. And they just sent over the, kind of, the lads who were kind of due a cap or whatever. And, and we generally lost in, in, in my time that we went there <laughs> yeah well, what was that kind of introduction to professional rugby like for you uh, under Michael Checker you would have been a very young player at the time Luke would have been I guess more established having won the Heineken Cup with him the year before like how did you find him you know as a young player yeah um, I only really had about six months dealing with him because I came into the academy at the Christmas before he left but like obviously he brought a different edge to Leinster and and how they've kicked on from there. You know, there's uh, every every coach has has their own sort of touch that they've put to Leinster. But I think he he definitely, um, like it's well documented. He he took away that kind of label of the the lady boys. He 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 got rid of the Deadwood, um, and and brought them to to a Heineken Cup victory. Um, so yeah, it was it was. I remember too much about about the time with him, but I, I do remember that he was he he took no shit, and and that's exactly what uh, Leinster needed at the time. He loved you, Jackie. Sure, you were straight in throwing digs all over the shop. <laughs> remember me knocking out knocking out my roomie, Davy Moore. <laughs> he was a big fan of Jackson. I'm not surprised that you guys got on so well. I mean, look in terms of those, those like I mean, what a career it was. And I mean, that was a very tough year for you in in, in 2010. Uh, coming into the squad, I mean, and, and you kicked on so well with, with all the competition that was there. I mean, did you find that Leinster was a great place to, to start out with like the likes of, obviously, we have Keane Healy coming up with nearly, well, hopefully he gets 100 caps this weekend, but, I mean, it must have been a great place to, to learn your trade. Yeah, it was class. Like, you want you always want to play for your home province, and, and, and I, I was lucky to come in at the time where 
Leinster had just won a Heighton Cup and everyone was sort of buzzing and they wanted to keep, kick on and, and knew there was something special happening. And it was just, it just kind of kept rising level on level, especially when Joe came in and, and just the quality of players that, that were brought in and, and, and that were kind of homebred as well. Like it, it just, it just kind of kicked on from, from then on really, didn't it? Yeah, it was like it was a serious group of players. Oh, I can completely empathize because I was while I was obviously there a couple of years ahead of you. Like it was a really, it was a great place to go in every day and work because you felt like you were getting better. And Joe and like Cheka, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, look, you, you missed like Cheka was brilliant as well. You, you, I mean, if you'd had time with him as well, you would have. I think you'd feel quite similar about him as you would about Joe. Uh, like very lucky to have such brilliant coaches. And yeah. speaking of coaches, it probably brings me naturally on to. Uh, Dan McFarland, who I ha- only had a few brief dealings with, but just really, really liked the little bits of contact I had with him here and there. Obviously, he coached against a few teams, but obviously they were kind of the, the four packs, and they were always renowned for being really well organized, kind of you know really difficult to play against. What's he been like to to, to learn from up there, and, and what's he done with the setup? Do you like? Do you feel like it's like I, I think from the outside, I don't know what Will thinks, but. I just think it looks like a place that's going. It, it's going places. It needs one. You know, you, I think Ulster need to jump one last hurdle. But what 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 kind of impact has Dan McFarland had? And have you learned a huge a huge amount since you've since you've gone up? Yeah, well, like I can't I can't speak highly enough of of Dan because um, when when I decided to leave Leinster, like he came down to Dublin and met me in in my house, and we had a good chat at length and where we want to bring the club and 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 what sort of role I have in that and since since I've been up like it's it's been brilliant and and I feel like I can approach him and and any ideas and and there's a there's a a lot of mutual respect between the two of us and we sort of have, we we i feel like we we think the same and and we do want to bring Ulster to a new level and take that next step. And yeah, I, I definitely have learned a lot with him. And, and the great thing about Dan is there, like he doesn't, he doesn't talk any shit or doesn't take any shit. Like it's, it's straight down the line. It's black or white with him. So, um, that's what I, 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 um, really excites me about working with him and, and all the other staff are exactly the same. Like you, you want everything to be as transparent as possible in a professional environment because you'll only be fooling yourself if you're if you're um basically if you think you're doing something right and it's wrong and, and they say oh you can sort of do this do that but like ultimately you need to be called out if if you're doing something wrong um and he does that really well um and it's not in a condescending way it's in a we want to all get better together as as one squad and and uh and a team so yeah, it's it's been really good, and I've I've loved it since day one. And when you when you made the decision uh, to leave Leinster, was it was it was it Ulster that appealed to you? Was it maybe just trying something new? Did you feel maybe you had maybe gone as far as you could at Leinster? Like, what was the ultimate kind of decision maker for you when you made that decision? Probably a bit of everything. Yeah, a bit of all that. Um, yeah, just sort of. I went as uh, I felt at the time. It was just. I, I went as far as I could and um, I saw an opportunity and, and it was, I just was kind of unhappy with where I was 
and to to re kick start my career i i felt like ulster was the the right place to go i feel like like you said lukey they're going in the right direction there's so many young players that are so willing to learn and and a lot of ulster men as well which is which is what they were probably missing over the years like homegrown players coming through and at the moment like look at the past under 20s team like five of the core team were ulster and and they're they're coming through now they're breaking into the squad there's 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 loads of guys coming through um and it's it is a really ex- exciting place to be and and with the coaching staff that we have um and hopefully a few old boys like myself and a few others can kind of uh, lead the way to to do something special in the next couple of years I can. I never saw you as the. It probably is true, but you're probably one of the older fellas now. But you're all. <laughs> uh, I, I never thought I'd see the day that you'd be calling yourself one of the old fellas. But there you yeah. go. Um, <laughs> yeah, but look, what I, what I was going to say to you was as well. Was there? I mean, that period. So I remember, like, Keen Healy was out maybe for maybe six months or so, maybe nine months before. I think the year maybe you decided to leave after. Um, and I, I think you know there was a period where you like Leinster and Ireland were so reliant on you, and you were kind of carrying an injury. I remember having a conversation with you; we were kind of carrying an injury for quite a while. Um, and you know, it must have been were, were you frustrated with that period? It felt like it was you were in unbelievable form. You got a bad injury, and it just was hard to rekindle and get back in the team at that point. Was that something that played into your mind? You kind of said, "You know what? I just need somewhere where I can actually get." Because it felt like you were getting like lots of twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, and you weren't really starting the big games. Like whereas for the year before, when you were like on fire, you were starting everything. You were getting like nearly eighty minute jobbies. Um, like was that did that play a big part? You were saying, Do you know what? I need to get up. I need to be in there starting. I need to be getting more rugby. Was that part of the decision as well, Jack? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably was. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. And it's it's difficult going from those minutes to the shorter minutes, and and you're kind of chasing your tail, and and when you are carrying something, but like it's. That's sport, you know. It's it, it's it's professional rugby, and it's getting more ruthless year by year. And it's getting it's the 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 level of competition everywhere now is 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 huge. So um, yeah, there was there was a few uh, different factors that that came into play, but um, ultimately ultimately it was my decision to do it and for a change for like to to look at yourself in the mirror and say right I gave uh, like I gave it a crack maybe somewhere else you know and, and just go for it because like you only get one career and and why not just have a crack where where you could, you could do something special in two clubs you know yeah and Jack I guess when you started your career say 10 years ago you know we we an ambitious guy going into rugby like what what were your kind of goals or aspirations like did you just want to make me break through at Leinster did you want to get an Ireland cap were you thinking lines? Were you were you thinking all the way to the top? Like, what what was your kind of mindset when you first started as a professional? Um, I didn't really like leaving school. I didn't really think about the the. I just sort of took it as sort of one thing at a time. I know that sounds a bit stupid and cliche, but it really was like it was. It went from leaving school to having a meeting with. Um, Collie McEntee down in the old Leinster offices in Donnybrook um, to like just kind of the development contract to a to a two-year contract and kind of rolled from there and I suppose the more I the more opportunities I got and the more time I 
I got playing and, and training and being like, geez, I'm not actually too bad or I'm, I'm keeping up with these or I'm, I'm actually doing better and, or like the coaches are saying really good stuff to you or you're coming off from a, t- a game on the TV and your mates are like, fucking hell, you were unreal tonight. And sort of for me, like my missus still gives out to me like I'm, I'm really hard on myself and I suppose I will be hard on myself until, I, to, to, until the day I finish, until I'm in my 50s looking back. You know, but I think for me, the it, it was just purely like it, it went stage by stage. And I was like, I remember it was um, 20, whatever year I got capped. I remember Rossi saying to me, he was like, you know, you're going to get capped because there's only two loose, there was only two loose heads in the squad, in the Irish squad. And I was like, oh, fuck off, Rossi. Like, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even really, again, like me being like, I don't know, just I don't know, and and you know what? You kind of, you I always thought you were kind of fella who didn't really like to get too far ahead of yourself. You no, know, you're you're always a good man for like if anyone was usually me actually getting too far ahead of myself. You're always able to put someone back in their box. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I probably was. Yeah, and 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 uh, yeah, it it was it was that, and then I I got a good run of games with with Leinster in Ireland, and it went well, and and then obviously the the lines came along, and and. Um, yeah, like I suppose the rest is history from there. But uh, we're we're at a different stage of my career now, and that's really exciting. And um, yeah, what what's the feeling like now at the moment, Jack? About getting back in the Irish team? Like, where do you? I mean, like, are you a kind of guy that like would you be setting goals now? I know you said earlier on in your career you kind of just you know you were kind of maybe looking for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But now you've kind of you no, know, you're you're there now. You're a lion, like. What what do you do to try and get back in the team? Are you a goal setting guy? Are you like what, do you change the routine? Do you just continue with the routine? Do you examine the routine? But what do you do to try and get back in there? Um, I suppose what stood to me well was even that World Cup prep um, going into Ulster was I came to Ulster in really good shape, and as a subsequent um. As a result of that, kind of. as a result of that, basically, I sort of got into the to to the Six Nations squad, and then probably over COVID, like I trained, but I think with probably not enough, and then didn't come back in great shape, and not playing well enough, and and just basically that sort of affected me, and then now over this I spoke to Faz briefly before, like he rang me before the squad was announced. And he was just saying the door's not closed and there's a couple of things you need to work on. And that's like between myself and himself and, and my coaches. But um, the, the kind of wheels have been put in motion for that. And um, yeah, it's just sort of, it's nice to just have a bit of time now out of the squad and to work on the things I need to work on to 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 try to get back in and, and hopefully that works and, and I, I am able to get back in um, for for this November uh, series or, or beyond, you know. Um, I just sort of, with the experience I have now, it's, I'm just kind of taking it bit by bit because the more I look ahead, the more kind of pissed off I get at, at the moment now. Like I can't really do anything about the four. I can't do anything about the future, so I just need to sort of take my time and, and uh, 
take it day by day basically and just just get on with what I need to get on with and and in fairness to to Ulster they're they're very understanding and and they want me to be playing for Ireland and um the S&C staff and and the coaching staff are brilliant for for managing me with with the injuries that I have um and like we're 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 going places so it's great yeah, Jack, and I guess this weekend, as Luke mentioned earlier, uh, Keen Healy's in line to get his 100th cap. He's a guy you obviously know very well, having kind of been battling at loose head prop over throughout the course of your career. You know, what was that like, I suppose, when you came into Leinster, you had a guy like Keane who was already established and you're kind of going for the same position and then throughout your career, pretty much, you're kind of battling against them. Is, is it, do you have a good relationship with them? Or are you rivals? Like, how does that play out? I am good mates with them, yeah. And it, it's like, I think... I, we both know how good we are or, or can be. So it, I think when we push each other, well, when we were pushing each other in, in club, um, that it brought out the best in, in the both of us. And like, it's, Keane's a different sort of animal to me and it always has been. And he's, he stood the test of time with, with the quality that he brings week in, week out. And um, yeah, how durable he is and how, how professional he is. So, it's it's great. I'm delighted for him because it's such a huge thing to to get a hundred caps for your country. Like there's very very few people do that, and it just shows the consistency and and professionalism and and quality player that he is. And I'm delighted for him. I'll give him a text when 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 it's all released because obviously he's going to be involved. So it's um, yeah, it's it's great. I'm 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 over the moon for him. Yeah, for a good few years, you two were kind of a good one-two punch, and I guess you're both kind of swapping positions almost. And who would be the, the lead man for for a while? It was it was an interesting battle over a good few years. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, there was good times and bad times. Like obviously, somebody is always going to be disappointed when they're not picked. But um, yeah, it was we had some good days. And uh, again, I thought we brought the best out of each other. I think, um, which is which is a testament to both of us. I I, I believe. I think it's in the hard to describe to people like in uh, as people always ask, you know because I'd be obviously Pally would like you know Ferg McFadden and that would be a guy who'd be um, who we would have been competing for years and years together you know mm-hmm. uh, and we're still good friends off the pitch and it's kind of hard to describe to people about like you know you basically have to go out and be friend have a you know you need to have a coffee afterwards you're like after a team selection where basically someone's got picked ahead of you. <laughs> like, yeah. It's the most awkward scenario, I think. It's so hard because you're like, obviously you're saying, well, like, you know, we're all in here trying to do our best. Everyone wants to get picked. It's not his fault. But Jesus, for the next training session, you're absolutely going to... <laughs> like, it's hard. But like, it does drive you on, but it's an awkward yeah. scenario, isn't it? I, yeah, it is. And like, again, in the sport we play, there's no hiding places. So like, sometimes you have to be honest with you, with yourself. And like, there's times whatever I got picked or he got picked and, and if you were honest with yourself you'd probably be like oh well he probably deserves to get picked ahead of me or, or vice versa do you know what I mean so, so I like, found that really hard Jackie um, <laughs> it was the hardest thing to admit I, I completely get you but yeah it's the hardest thing isn't it to see yeah and it's not like it's not like that all the time but sometimes it would be like that like all right yeah I'm, I'm gonna be square with myself I probably don't deserve to be playing you know so but like as as the competitive sort of people that we are you always want to be playing and and you want to be putting your best foot forward but yeah I can see like again I can see both sides of it but um, like rugby professional rugby is a strange thing Luke you can't (laughs) it's hard to explain to people the the roller coaster of emotions ups and downs Jesus Christ like honestly there's 
there's um there's yeah you know yourself it's like easier you know. after seriously <laughs> what it's easier afterwards, honestly. Uh, yeah. It is an up and down journey, all right. And yeah. speaking of kind of the journey, I suppose, um, and, and look, just maybe to step away from the rugby for a little bit, because I'm sure look, we'll come back to it, of course, but uh, you were doing a few interesting bits uh, off the pitch during uh, during lockdown. I see you're, you're a beekeeper now as well, are you? <laughs> yeah, amateur. Only amateur. at the beekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, just, it was something my mom did a few years ago and I, I sort of took an interest in it and always wanted to get involved. And um, I said, like lockdown just was a perfect opportunity. And basically I got involved with a company called Open Hive that's run by a fella called um, Kyle Petrie and Mark Early. And basically it was a friend of a friend that put me in touch with Kyle and they were, um, he had hives near where we were living. And uh, basically I went up and from day one, we were pretty much just opening high. Like it wasn't like a course, like doing paperwork. I, I wouldn't be one of those kind of pencil pushers. So I need to be doing something <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was kind of like that. And, and it just sort of grew from there. And it was at the start of COVID. So I had six months to kind of cut my teeth at it. And subsequently I've gotten, I've two hives on the roof, which my missus doesn't mind too much about. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of just rolled on from there. So it's a bit of crack and um, yeah, it's just something to do. And you should be, be surprised the amount of people that are actually really interested in it. And I do a lot of bullshit and talk about it because I don't really know that much about it, but I'm still <laughs> learning and I don't expect to learn uh, everything because your man, has been doing it for 10 years and he was saying it, you're, you're, you're always learning. So I kind of went into it with the mindset of I'll learn one or two things every time I go and uh, just kind of take it from there. Well, between Keen Healy and the knives and Jack McGrann is beekeeping, like the props in Ireland sure do have an interesting set of hobbies. The same thing. Honestly, Will, I was thinking the same thing. As like if people listen, if they put them next to it, it'd be like, and Mike Ross as well. Mike Ross like builds PCs. Like their props are just yeah. the weirdest people. <laughs> 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 and my dad's a prop, but they're, they're the oddest people. <laughs> they love their points, though, so that's the They love their points, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, look, it's an interesting thing because I think lots of people are searching for stuff to do um, you know, during during COVID, and uh, I just saw that. And I was thinking, geez, that's so interesting to get involved in that. And you're also you were doing a bit of uh, study as well. You were saying as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, another thing I've always been interested in. But I always found when I was in um, in Dublin, I I never got time to do. It. It's probably an excuse because I was too lazy. But um, I I started woodworking um, in a course up in in Belfast in Lisburn, so it's it's that's been brilliant as well. And I I I've always been interested in something in stuff like that. I never got to do it in school, but um, I've always tried to kind of tip away at stuff at home. But it's actually nice to be able to do a course and and learn how to use tools and, and particular uh, bits and pieces properly so yeah that's that's for a well, year didn't you build like your, I remember you built like your old back garden and sheds and all sorts of stuff didn't you was that- yeah yeah I did I've done a good bit and our they old all fell apart that's why you did the course is it what they all fell apart that's why you're doing the course now is it yeah, you're doing yeah. It <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's actually it's a book, 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 frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, it is great to have those things. You know what I mean? Like, I could barely, uh, I could barely unscrew a light bulb. Uh, to be honest with you, but um, yeah, I'll have to get you over and sort out my gaff. Actually, it's enough. It's it's in bits after COVID, but um, yeah, listen, it's great to see that you're doing those other things, and, and I'm sure actually as well. While I have you on the on, on the subject of COVID, because I think it's going to be it's very important. There's loads of talk about it at the moment. I know you're a big advocate for. PA the house, um, you know, and obviously all the stuff, the personal stuff that you had to go through. I mean, what would you say to people who are kind of struggling at the moment? Because, I mean, you know, no better man, and you're obviously a big spokesman for, for PA. The, what would you say to people who are kind of struggling at the moment, Jackie? Yeah, it's um, like it's a, it's a tough time for everyone. And, and it's, I think what helps people, well, what people struggle with is being stuck inside and, and having all these rulings and, and this, you can't do that, you can't do, but... I think that like the majority of the time, if you if you can get out and and just do something, go for a walk, even listen to a, a, a podcast, get in the sea, like that, that's what I found with if if you're struggling, like it's so cold, jump in the sea, you'll forget every issue that you have. <laughs> <laughs> Everything will be shriveled up, so you won't be. <laughs> and I don't listen to any podcast. Listen to listen to like one particular podcast obviously don't be wasting your time with the other yeah, one yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't be promoting anyone else's podcast when we're on here no 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 no, no. but um no it's just stay active and 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 try and stay positive i know it's very easy to say that but it's it's just kind of like you were saying with the kind of sports thing it's trying to just goal set and do try and do just one thing and 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 say to yourself I'm going to do this today and and try and like it's very tough for people that they've work and they're home usually it's a separation they go to work and then they come home and they can separate but like your 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 work in your home is now amalgamated with so it's pretty tough for people so a lot of people have taken up exercise and all sorts of different things so I think just try and find something doesn't matter what it is try find something that takes your mind off what's stressing you out and 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 the main thing is to try and enjoy it, you know. Mm. Yeah, interesting words. And Jack, just before I guess we let you go, I suppose Ireland do have a big game against France this weekend. They returned to action last weekend against Italy. Were you impressed with uh, Andy Farrell's men after that long layoff? Yeah, yeah, it was very impressive. Um, yeah, they're they're uh, a different mould to the to the old Ireland, which is which is nice because it's it's suiting the way the. Um, the provinces are playing now, so it's great. Yeah, it's great to see, and and uh, they've they've given themselves a, a great chance at the weekend in for for a tough test. But I think they're up to it. And what? How have you found the coaching staff? Like, you know, how have you found Andy Farrell to be around? Is he? Do the guys really enjoy working with him? It seems like it's a very happy camp. I know there was a you know that they had obviously had that poor uh, you know performance against England, but. Leaving that aside, are, are the guys enjoying being in there? Do you feel like they're learning lots of new, like kind of new things in there? Yeah, I think um, from my time, la- the last Six Nations, um, when it was cut short, it was it was really they're just trying to bring a bit of uh, sort of laughs in, in between sessions, and I think what's worked really well is the um, the high performance center. What the way they're doing sessions now, they're able to actually look at the screen in the gym and go straight out onto the Astro. And um, so that's, that's been a huge part of it as well. And it's all, all in one space. And um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, there's a, there's a few factors, but no, I think Faz is taking on board uh, players and uh, views and, and what they want to do and how, how they feel 
camp and and how we can play can be improved and he he's been um put his own touch on it as well so it, they've been really impressive it's it's been great to watch mm, yeah well hopefully you're in with them uh, not before long jack uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us a bit of an insight into your time in ulster and your career in general really appreciate it no, nice one. Thanks, guys. And that's all we have time for on the left wing this week, Independent Dalai's Rugby Podcast. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the Six Nations action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.